0: hey guys welcome to not just a hashtag podcast presented by trees of hope i'm your host nicole escobar with my co-host anisa Kristen, and mariah on this podcast we will be discussing the epidemic of sexual abuse its realities and the unfiltered ways in which it has affected all of our lives we share our personal stories and how our lives have been restored While this podcast is for everyone, we do want to let you know that we use several trigger words and this is geared more towards adult audiences. This podcast is for anyone who wants to educate themselves on the statistics behind sexual abuse, signs to look out for, and how to prevent it from happening. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome to the Not Just the Hashtag Podcast, episode seven. I am here with my solo girl Anisa. I'm we're not here with Mariah and Kristen today because sadly they're away. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm here with Anisa, and you matter, and I'm so happy you're here. I'm pretty sufficient. Yeah, you're sufficient. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I don't know. I, we wouldn't be here without you because she gets all of our content for us and gets us going. Yeah. Wow.
1: Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, I feel very appreciated. Kristen,
0: Mariah, we miss you. But we do. I feel very appreciated. Mm-hmm. But today is a very special podcast for me specifically because I am here with Dee Prieto, the founder of Trees of Hope. She's not only a friend, a co-worker, a, the founder, but she is also just somebody who's inspired me in my mm-hmm. life. Thank Without you. her and her speaking into my life, my life would probably... the same old boring life that it was before, (laughs) but because you've come into my life, my life is radically changed. And obviously, yes, we we give a lot of that to God, all of that to God, but you physically here on earth have been a co-laborer, someone that I love and adore and I look up to. So I'm so thankful for you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So um, before we let her talk and share her story, I'd love to share how I know you Mm -hmm. um, because it's a funny story and um, it's meant a lot to me actually. So I met Dee about, I always say like seven years ago, but I think it was more like six. Yes, I remember. And she had needed office space at the building that i was at and i was the only person i don't even know how you got my number actually
2: yeah i don't remember that either
0: yeah and because i was thinking how the heck did she call me of Mm -hmm. all people so she ends up calling me and i'm like okay i knew about you through you know the streets (laughs) the christian (laughs) streets streets. (laughs) and i was like oh i don't want to meet with you i'm sorry you know because i knew that you would see something in me and you would most likely say hey.
2: Yeah, we would know. Yeah,
0: you would know. And so I was trying to avoid that conversation as much as possible because I still at that stage in my life had not yet put to words what had happened to me and I wasn't comfortable talking about it out loud. So to my luck, she ended up meeting with me only. So I meet her and right off the bat, you know, you'll see she's amazing. She's easy to talk to. She's beautiful. She's all those great things. So when I met her, I was like, Let's try to talk about anything other than, so it was like, let's talk about my career. Let's talk about boys we were talking about because I was not, I was single at the time. And um, then somehow we just went right into it. I think I tried to do all that um, avoidance, but it didn't work. So she asked, have you been sexually abused? And I think you were like I want you to be my executive director. It was like within that first meeting, right?
2: Very much so. Cuz
0: you you mentioned I was sharp and I had, you know, my brain was working well. <laughs> I was healthy looking and you just liked certain things that that I had, but it was a requirement almost that I had to I had to be sexually abused, but I had to go through healing. Exactly. Yeah. So when you know, we, we loved each other at the moment. We walked outside, we prayed, we asked God to tell us what the next steps were. And then you kind of just went on with your life. I went on with my life. And then you emailed me maybe six months later and said, we're doing a group, go ahead and register. And it's just going to be me. It's going to be me at my, at the location where we work. So I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. Like I wasn't ready to do Mm. any of this, but I took it because you were so I felt like you were so cool and that was like this is if I'm gonna do it with anyone, it should be with you. Right. So I did it. And obviously my life has changed. I'm here doing a podcast now because I'm set free. That's amazing. (laughs) Did you ever think that I would be doing this? I didn't. (laughs) It's
2: amazing.
1: So okay. That's enough of me. Anissa, you share your story of how you know D. I met Dee at an event that Trees of Hope had been invited to and Dee very much so Nicole and I were talking about before Dee got here how she's just a really warm welcoming person. D is the type of person who when you're talking to her for like two minutes she is like a childhood best friend that mm-hmm. you're like running into and she's just very she gives off I don't want to say good vibes but she just so gives Aww. off like a very like comforting welcoming like you already have inside jokes so I totally understood everything that Nicole had been telling me about D when I had started working here like oh DR our founder D our founder like you'll love her she's so funny she's so cool I meet her we're at this really hoity-toity breakfast and she just I like that. immediately made me feel like I had been at Trees of Hope for forever and I was like, we want you full time. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah. yeah, so honestly, Dee really is someone that you can glean so much from in such a short amount of time. So I know Nicole and I are both really excited that she's here to talk about just how incredible her journey has been and the impact her life has had. Mm-hmm, absolutely mm. so D now
2: tell us your story oh, well, <laughs> first before I even start I'm like ready to cry listening to these two women that are so amazing you know when you sit with sister survivors there's nothing like it yeah when you watch their journey and you see where they were and then where they go on their journey it's it's so beautiful so I'm over the top excited to even be here Uh, My story starts many, many years ago. I am a survivor of sexual abuse around the age of five. And it's just so interesting now because after 13 years, I have met so many survivors and have heard so many stories and we have so many similar um, characteristics. Mm -hmm. Like I can meet, I can sit with a survivor and we just like know each other. Mm -hmm. There's something so beautiful about that. And I really believe that God brings us together like we're soul sisters and soul brothers, really, even my brother survivors. There's just a kinship that is so beautiful that happens when we say, yeah, I'm a survivor and we start to be able to share that. So as a survivor at five years old of sexual abuse, I really never thought that I was affected by it. And, you know, doing this for so many years and talking to so many people, a lot of us don't think, you know, anything bad happened. We're just like, we don't, I didn't really know what it was because I was so young. So fast forward, um, I knew that it was wrong and it made me feel like not like myself. And then I remember um, playing with my Barbies in like a weird way after that. That's what I remember. And then fast forward, I just remember that part of my journey was, um, you know, the awakening of the sexuality very early on, Mm -hmm. boys and boyfriends and that kind of thing. But still not thinking it comes from there. Just thinking, well, I guess I just, I'm boy crazy. That's what my mom used to say, like, you're boy crazy. But knowing what I know now, it really is a part of the journey of, you know, the direction that we go in. And really the sexual abuse is moved, w- really woven into, you know, my whole life. Mm-hmm. So as I fast forward even now, you know, through all of that, I, I got married, I knew that, you know, I had a lot of issues in my mind and I couldn't figure out why I always had fantasy issues or, you know, is there something wrong with me? Why am I never content or happy in my marriage? Had no idea any of that had anything to do with sexual abuse. I still really, that wasn't revealed to me because I really think it's revealed to us. Like when it's our time to go through healing, there's nobody can tell us when that time is, but it will be revealed to you when you meet the person and it's your time so uh as i my marriage ended then i moved to um florida i met my second husband and married and moved to florida and i started um really just praying i'm a woman of faith but really wasn't very strong in my faith then but just really was just kind of praying about these thoughts that then started coming up in my second marriage and thinking there's something wrong with me i like why i'm happy with this person why am i not content and i can remember really getting the visual of like God taking me back to well, you were sexually abused. So that was kind of like my aha moment. And I was by myself and that doesn't always happen by yourself. It could be just somebody else saying it and then all of a sudden you get the aha moment. Like even today, as we're talking, someone could listen to this podcast and be thinking something happened to me. Like, what do I do? So, you know, we want to even speak into people, you know, if you're listening and that's you, we want you to know we're available because this is how it happens and i can remember um just okay so that's why i'm screwed up that's what i was thinking that's why i have these sexual thoughts all the time because of what happened to me when i was young so then i said okay so what do i do now and i remember finding one book on sexual abuse that's all i could find the path to sexual healing it was very good and but that was the beginning of my journey so it really when i think about it my journey started 20 years ago of the beginning of my journey of healing was 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So
0: that's awesome. And I've heard that story several times and it's every time I hear it, I'm like, this is this such an amazing thing that God has done? Because it was one day in your life that you prayed God revealed to you and thousands of people has been changed mm. because of what you said, I'm going to deal with this now. And I'm not going to keep letting it control me. I'm going to allow myself to walk through the healing journey. Yes. And people ask us all the time, so what is the healing journey? And Mm -hmm. it does sound like
1: a hokey thing, but it's really not, right? Like, what would you say the healing journey is? I always say healing is such a process and it's a lifelong process. And obviously, like dealing with sexual abuse for me, I know that that walk was a very intense six-month journey. But the rest of my life is being spent in learning how to deal when a new symptom of my sexual abuse that happened several years ago comes up it's like okay now that i'm in this new season of life nicole and i have talked about it before being married and it's like whoa this is a new symptom I'm experiencing because I'm in a new season. And so it can, it can seem very discouraging and like, wow, I thought that I healed past this. I learned, you know, I should be, I should be past this and more developed in my healing journey, but it's like, it's a lifelong thing. And it's really just constantly being patient and being gracious with myself and allowing the Lord to be very kind to me too, because it's like,
2: Mm.
1: it's going to be the rest of my life.
2: And I love that. I even love that you're sharing that because a lot of times people think, oh, in 12 weeks, I'm going to be healed. And I say, no, it really, it's a journey, but it's an, it's a beautiful journey. And don't rush the process because there's so much that God wants to show you on the journey Mm -hmm. and things will come up when you get married, when you have a child, there'll be different triggers that will happen. And what's so beautiful is that that's part of the journey too. Mm-hmm. But what's so interesting about Trees of Hope and this journey is that there's more for us. There's even more for us after, even though we're healing through the sexual abuse, we we realized there's more wounds. So then we address those when they come up. See, we're more open then mm-hmm. to address other wounds that we may have from childhood, maybe uh, abandonment or rejection. Those kinds of things will come up when we get married and when we, or when we have children. And we're actually now... I'm looking at what's happening in this ministry and you know allowing people to go through a whole year of different forms of healing is even more beautiful for us because the journey it will take us time. And it's okay we don't beat ourselves up we can we can mess up but we still will recognize, "Oh, that's a trigger. That's part of my past." Okay. I know what to do now about that. I'm not going to stay in this I can call someone, I know who I can go to, I can talk to somebody in my group. So we don't have to stay in any area that we're spiraling in.
0: Exactly. And I would say for myself, I've now done, I went through one uh, group, then I taught one, and now I'm doing all of the online. So I'm like, you know, this is my third time going through it. I would say when I look back at my homework from the first one, I minimized everything. Yep. And you know, you were my leader. We do that all the time. I was like, let me pray now. I'm going to pray over my perpetrator. I'm going to right. forgive. <laughs> and then the second one, I was like, screw
2: him. I like, exactly. come on.
0: Like Then the what? anger starts to yeah. come and rise. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Um, so, you know. It's, obvi- I'm a strong mm. person. You're a strong person. Mm-hmm. We're all pretty strong women here. And, but the one thing that we've had to teach ourselves is not minimizing the things that we're going through. No. So yeah, we've been sexually abused and then we deal with that. But then let's say, Hey, we need to go through rejection, abandonment roots and mm-hmm. realize what those are. We don't want to minimize those either. Cause you can feel a lot of shame knowing exactly. that you have those. Right. And you can be like, well, I'm kind of embarrassed to deal with those, but that's the beauty about trees of hope is that we can meet you where you're at and. And there's a group for anything you're going through, Absolutely. sexual abuse and or relationship problems or root issues like abandonment or rejection. Mm-hmm. We've got it all. So, you know... And Nicole, I'd love to speak into yeah. the people,
2: especially who are in leadership positions, either, you know, in their church, in their synagogue, in their place of worship, on their job. And they have the mindset that I'm supposed to have it all together now because I went through my healing. No... We don't always have it together. Even when we're in that leadership role, we can still struggle. But I want you to know that it's okay and that self-care is really important, that we have to care for ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's where I think we lose it. We, we get too involved in what we're doing and we forget that we need to have self-care too. Absolutely. And that's part of us growing and getting healthier and healthier.
0: Right. And yeah like we're I'm a leader here right but I want to set the tone for anybody who's underneath me that I go to a counselor I've talked about it a hundred times she's a mentor but a a life coach whatever it's healthy for me I need that yes I I didn't think I did for a period of time because I was embarrassed about talking about different things but it's healthy for me I need that alone time in the morning to think through how am I gonna approach the day I need those positive people in my life who are gonna help encourage encourage me saying, Hey, Nicole, you probably shouldn't obsess over that or think about that or focus on that, like move on. Right. Or hold me accountable to certain things. Right. So that's a part of the growing process as well. Mm -hmm. And when you're a leader, I know it can feel like a really like that you're all alone. But you're really not. No. If you just use your mouth and share with people, hey, I, I need you in my life to help me. Yep. I mean, I have to do that constantly. And thank God for my husband. You know, he's always like, are you doing okay? Are you feeling okay? I notice you're doing weird stuff right now. Yeah, that, my husband does <laughs> the
2: same thing, by the way. <laughs> and
0: I'm like, what's the weird stuff? He's like, you're snappy, you're
1: controlling, You're and I'm like, well, eek. Am I? (laughs) No, but there really is nothing like isolating yourself to make problems seem totally insurmountable because even just a few years ago when I was working as a teacher at a pretty well known school and then I was a small group leader and then I became the go-to person for every single girl who was having any sort of issue. I felt like, okay, I can't tell anyone I'm struggling because Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to be, you know, being the person that I am here and having girls come to me and being a small group leader and, you know, having even just administration talking about like, wow, we can't believe we have you on our team. I felt like I'm dying. Exactly. I'm like crumbling underneath the weight of this and I have no one to tell because I feel like the expectations that are being placed on me are just staggering. And so it was awful. I was, I was suffering so much for so Mm -hmm. long until I got out of there. And it it really sucked. And then
2: it helped you to see that, like, I need, it's okay for me to have a bad day. Even, like, sometimes I'll be like, I'm sad today. Like, why am I sad? Let me sit in that for a minute. Because a lot of times the emotions, we stuff them when we have trauma of childhood stuff. And it's like, no, let's actually be sad. Sit in the sadness. How does it feel? I'm really sad today. And it's okay to say that I am. Instead of thinking I have it all together. Exactly. Like, I don't. So yeah, it's interesting, you know, even how we got started from, um, the, once I went, found some curriculum to go through and then really, I was already in ministry at the time working for, um, four kids in his caring place. And I can remember thinking like, I'm sure I'm not the only person that was sexually abused, but I had no idea at the time how many people were sexually abused. In the beginning I thought like, well, where are all the people? So I didn't even know what the statistics were. So once I really started going through that journey, and it was me and God being a woman of faith, I thought, I can't go through this by myself. I need to really pray and ask God to help me to go through this journey. And that's when I started to get the revelation of, you know, there's got to be other people. I can't be the only one. And I'll I'll never forget it because I was in my bathroom at the time when I was, you know, working for four kids in his caring place. And I remember asking this question out loud, you know, what does it feel like to you, God, when a child is being sexually abused? And I will never forget that I was on the floor and I was just sobbing. And that experience alone made me feel like, oh my gosh, so God was there with me and he knows what I was going through. And the only thing I could think of is that he was saying, I'm grieving for you too that he was grieving while I was grieving. So that he grieves mm-hmm. when children and people are being sexually abused. And then that's when I knew, when I got up off the floor, I said, you know, I think that you wanna do something with this, I don't know what it looks like. And that next day I said, I, I guess I'm, I am I have to be the voice for people who who can't talk about it. And the next day I went into um, one of my leader's offices, it was Doug Souter at the time, and I said, Doug, And he just kind of looked at my face when I walked in and said, are you leaving? And I said, well, I think so, but I really want to know like that it's confirmed. And this really is like a calling because it's really a calling. And when I sat down, he said, well, tell me the whole story. And he said, yes, I do believe that this is a calling on your life. And I want people to know that we get real callings in our lives. We get true callings of what we're supposed to do. And it doesn't always mean we're supposed to stay there forever. It's just the calling at that time of what you're supposed to do or start. And then God will send the people. And I'm convinced of that now. So once I got that kind of confirmation that he would mentor me, that's kind of where Trees of Hope got started. You know, what's, what's it going to look like? Who are we? What's our, you know, um, what will our name be? Just all of the, you know, details of starting a 501. So just so the audience knows, I had no idea. I, I, no idea whatsoever what the statistics were how you start a nonprofit. all i knew is that i think that i'm supposed to be helping other people walk through this and then the other thought was i'm still healing so i can just go through healing with other people and we can heal together and that's really how we got started of you know the first group was in my home and i still remember there was five women they all showed up the first night and we all did the chapter. And by week three or four, four dropped out and there was one woman. And I still remember that still small voice saying in my ear, will you go through this with the one woman? And my answer was, yes, I will. It doesn't matter who it is. Whoever's ready, I'm ready. And I think that was a test of like, would you do it for one? Yeah, I'll do it for one. And then I think that we passed the test because thousands came, you know, one turned into thousands Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how Trees of Hope got started.
0: Yeah, which honestly gives a huge testament based on the lack of knowledge and whatever experience that you had in that specific field for all of the workers who and volunteers who have played a role in making Trees of Hope what it is today. Like if you're listening, we are so thankful for you because you were a, a part of a grassroots ministry. Oh, like n- No, no, no help. Like really, but without you, we wouldn't be where we are today. So we don't, we don't forget you. We remember you. Oh no. a Shout so out to all the people oh, yeah.
2: from the beginning. Totally. Who said, D I'm with you. <laughs> you know, how can I help in any way? And just meeting and praying. It was just like five women meeting and praying and, helping us come up with the name and, you know, what does it look like? So it really, I look back now and I just can't believe it. It makes me just, I'm in shock. I want to cry because it's just like 13 years and like, look at what's, look at what's happened.
0: Exactly. So we talked about some of the, um, healing that you went through in, in your bio that I have of you, you mentioned some extensive healing that you Mm -hmm. went through. Was there anything above and beyond trees of hope that you did that you would say, Hey, I recommend doing this to anyone
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, I had the mindset of like, okay, I went through the study, so I must be like really good right now. And really didn't think I needed anything after that. And I had no idea that it was really a journey then. But as I was healing, there was more things that were coming up. And then another book that was introduced to us was Restoring Relationships. And I still remember me, my girlfriend said like, oh, let's go through it. And we had a facilitator take us through. And I will never forget that when we, st- I really thought like there's not going to be anything there because, well, I really just had the sexual abuse, but I didn't realize when I opened the book that there was. M- I had more wounds from childhood. I clearly had abandonment. And reg- my primary wound wasn't even sexual abuse, and I was sexually abused at five. My primary wound was abandonment from my dad, and that had such a huge impact. It still does to this day. Like, a, I find myself rescuing because I don't want anybody to feel abandoned. So that's what I have realized was really my primary wound was, was abandonment. So going through that journey was painful. I will have to say like a lot of tears and a lot of grieving, but you know, when we're grieving, I want people to know, the audience to know it's a beautiful thing because we never grieved over these things. Nobody said they were sorry you know, my, my dad never said, I'm sorry that I abandoned you. You know, I'm sorry. I wasn't available to you to meet your emotional needs. You know, I'm sorry we left you when you were sexually abused by this man. So we never even get to hear. I'm sorry. So there's real pain there and grieving that is important for us to just let that happen. Grieve. It's a cleansing. And when we're done, we feel good. Something happens when we're done crying. So I work through that study and it's a study that I absolutely love that I take people through now because, you know, it deals with the five wounds. And, I, you know, I can't say enough about, you know, this whole year of healing because there's always more. So I'm, you know, a huge fan of just, you know, how can we really help people not only go through the one wound of sexual abuse, but whatever wounds or trauma they have from childhood. And even if it's, you know, introducing them to therapy or getting with a great counselor, I have a great counselor that I highly recommend and my husband and I go to her regularly. And it's been amazing. Mm -hmm. Even just for a check-in, like she'll say, you know, you guys are doing great. Like don't come back for a while. But you know, it's good to check in, you know, when something new is going on in your life, you can sometimes be triggered. Right. So that's what I, you know, it's very, it's been very helpful.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I, I started the online journey, um, of restoring relationships where you watch the videos and they're excellent. Yes. Um, they're amazing. So I highly recommend that Mm -hmm. if you're not able to do the book with a group, go ahead and do the online journey. It is worth the money.
2: Yes. Um,
0: okay. So what was the biggest hurdle for you to get over in either your sexual abuse or in that restoring relationships book? Like what was the hardest thing for you to go? Okay.
2: I would say probably the hardest thing is, and I find this not just me alone, but many times in our groups is replacing the thoughts because it always comes in the thought and we never learned how to say, okay, um, I'm not going to let this thought rule my day. So when we that chapter where we replace the the false believing and start to tell the truth about who we are like I was just a young innocent girl. I didn't deserve what happened to me. And to be able to say, "Oh, I'm sad today for the girl, that little girl is okay to say that. I'm sad that that happened to me." But that I don't stay there. That well that little girl Can now be comforted and actually going back there with the little girl has been very helpful for a lot of people sit in that as the little girl and see the adult person come in the room even yourself as an adult and kind of just give you the nurturing you needed and i tend to go back there with god like god would you sit in this with with me when i was a little girl and i'm telling you it's so beautiful there's such healing that comes so i would say the biggest hurdle was to really now take those thoughts when they come and know that like, no, that's not, that's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've overcome a lot in this journey and I know a lot of people have. So I can now replace those thoughts like almost immediately Mm -hmm. when I know like, "Mm, no, that's not who I am anymore. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. And really the biggest obstacle is trust and knowing who you are. They're the two things because trust is the number one place that we're violated. If we have any of these wounds, mm-hmm. trust is the number one. And the m- biggest place that you're affected is by the people that are closest to you. It's not in the workplace. You can be a great worker or great leader, do doing wonderful things in your community. The area that you are affected is in with your relationship with either your husband or wife or how you are as a mother. It's those closest relationships. And now I could say that they're so beautiful, my closest, which is the most important thing is our closest relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was doing great stuff for people <laughs> for years, but the closest relationships were being affected. Mm-hmm. My marriage, how I was as a parent, overpowering, controlling, um, you know, nervous about letting my kids go. So that's the area that I was really affected, that now I can say I'm not affected there anymore. So that was probably the biggest obstacle.
0: Yeah. And it's like, we're not parents, Anissa and I, and right. I'm trying to be, but one day when I do have a kid, that is my biggest fear is that I'm going to be a controlling parent. And how do you let go? Like, how do you just go, I'm going to trust that they are going to be okay mm-hmm. and, and safe in God's in God's <laughs> arms and in his presence and everything else, because we learn what we saw.
2: Exactly. So I
0: saw my parents' be very controlling with me and they manipulated me and they were emotionally unavailable Mm -hmm. and they, um, you know, they were loving in many ways, but they weren't, they didn't, they didn't
2: meet my needs. Is that, and that's something that comes up a lot is that, you know, our parents are wounded as well. Like I want people to know that it's generational and it's, you know, it comes down the line. They didn't learn anything different either. So that's why today and what we're doing, we're changing this whole generational, we're cutting that off and saying no more. We're getting healthy so that the next generation will be healthy and the needs that our kids have, we'll be able to meet because we've gotten healthy. Mm -hmm. And that I think is the difference of what we got to what we're going to give now.
0: Right. Yeah, and if you've been sexually abused and you're a listener and you're like, oh, I don't even know where to begin with those other things, you mm-hmm. know, we just want to say first you need to start with your sexual abuse. Exactly. You won't be Take able to first jump step. on those other things until you deal with that, right? Because there's a bunch of things that will come out of your sexual abuse: feeling abandoned, feeling rejected, feeling all these things. Especially if a parent you told a parent and they did nothing, or if you told a parent and they, or if you're you were being sexually abused by your parent. So we totally understand that a lot of this is hurdles that you have to get over. But the biggest hurdle for you to get over may be that you have to come to terms, that you were sexually abused, and that you need healing. Exactly. So you already talked about the nonprofit that you had worked for, His Caring Place, um, and for kids. But what was the one theme that you saw in all of those people that you worked with that you said? Because that was really like the trigger for you. You saw.
2: Absolutely. Well, here's what I'm finding. I see this more and more now that, you know, on your journey before you go through healing, I really believe that God will guide you into certain things. Mm-hmm. The very first place I ever worked at was a crisis pregnancy center. When I got here, cause I was in a, I was pregnant and unmarried. So I thought, well, I'm going to go volunteer at a crisis pregnancy center. That's, that would be good. I could fit in. And you know, I had a crisis pregnancy it was there when i saw that pamphlet that said um when trust is lost there's this little pamphlet that we give out all the time here and it's when trust is lost and it was for victims of sexual abuse and i remember sitting at the desk and thinking well i was sexually abused let me read the pamphlet uh and i was shocked because in the pamphlet it was speaking to me directly and what was interesting it was that that's when i started to realize like oh i guess i need to heal from that it was like really two parts that aha uh-huh moment of, okay, I was sexually abused. That's why I have all this crap in my head. And then reading that pamphlet. And what was interesting is I think when we start to serve is when we start to see stuff, we, it, it just starts being revealed. When you start, wherever you're serving, it will come up. Mm-hmm. And I, even now this next journey of taking leaders through healing because so many people have been serving and they're not going through healing yet. And then they go into leadership positions and they're still not healing. So I really feel like this next season for me personally is to take a lot of leaders through healing Mm -hmm. because they're stuck Mm -hmm. and then they hit the wall and then major things can happen, you know, just being stuck where you are and then not wanting to tell anybody because you are a leader. So then you feel all the shame of what if they know, you know, I'm struggling with pornography. What if they know I'm struggling with lust? Who can I tell? So that's why I really feel this season called to taking leaders through so that it will trickle down. And that everybody under them will go through healing. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a saying, if the leader gets better, everyone gets better.
2: Oh, I love that saying. Yeah. I'm a f i am ai love that <laughs> saying. Use it. I'm using I, it. I love it. I just made it up, actually. It's good. No. Um, I was cra- say, no, no, yeah, I got right. it from a, like a real leader. <laughs>
0: it's really a great saying. Nicole a is short, a real leader. I am a real leader, but I listen to a leadership podcast called Craig Rochelle Leadership, and I recommend that for anyone who is over anyone even if it's one person absolutely and so if you're a mom <laughs> and you have a kid you that's your one person that you're a leader over so um what I'm interested to know is when you look at Trees of Hope now oh like today doing the podcast doing all the programs that we're doing did you ever think
2: that it would be what it is today no and it's so interesting even when Nicole when you were sharing when we met And we had really been praying about an executive director because I knew my role was really to be out in the community. And, you know, I'm not a a, a numbers person, you know, where I am weak, I needed somebody very strong. And and that's really kind of how it works anyway. You know, you just bring everybody in that has their special gifts. So when I think about where we were then, and then with Nicole coming in, it's it's I'm in shock. I, I I just look back and say, I can't believe it because I said yes to my calling. Everybody else started saying yes to their calling because that's what happens. As soon as we would meet people, they would come in and then they would go, we have people now that went out and started doing their own calling, whatever it is. It's doesn't have to be sexual abuse, healing. It's wherever once they went through healing where they felt called to do. Mm-hmm. So to be where we were from my couch in my house to now running groups on a regular basis and being online now and to be able to help people right now on this podcast is overwhelming to me. Mm-hmm. It's it's so beautiful. I So many more people can be reached than we ever thought. And I think, Nicole, you coming on and bringing your vision my vision could only take me so far, then you came in with your vision that can then take us to a whole nother level. And I think that's really how it works. It, it really It's been is. beautiful.
0: And you know what? God put a calling on my life years ago. And I, I wish I could remember the exact verse, but it's always so funny, I can never mm-hmm. pull that verse up exactly. But the essence of it was, there's going to be um, a seed already planted, and my role is going to be to cultivate it. And every single position I've ever had was from someone other visionary planting a seed That's and amazing. coming to a level where it just kind of sprouts out and me being able to come in and go, let me to help take this like a building block. Let me help take this to a new level. So I love that. I love that God has allowed me to have that ability. Um, That's and amazing. Honestly, I, it really, I, I fought it for, you know, she asked me years ago, five years ago to be the executive director, leave my cushy job, leave all of the, you know, cushy things I had there to come Here and I was like, "Eh, I'm just not ready. And then she kept saying to me, "You need to have faith." And I was like, "No, you need to have faith and get me the salary I need." Uh, No, but honestly, God goes, "You, you don't need the salary. You don't need any of that." I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Mm -hmm. And not only has He blessed me beyond measures, uh, my life, my life has not stopped. Like I keep growing and growing. I mean, nothing has. halted exactly. in addition to that I tell D all the time I come to work every day and I'm like in love with my job right I get to work with the most it's amazing passionate. people like Anisa and Mariah and I'm just I, every day I'm like this is gosh. This is the best Mm -hmm. thing ever. And people, every time I share what I do for a living, they always go, ooh, that must be so hard. And I'm like, I'm like radiating like a sunbeam just hit me. But then they're looking at me like, ooh, and I'm like, no, no, it's not like that. Like, I know we're dealing with something bad, but it's so fun going to work every day. It's so beautiful that we get to help people and create programs that change their lives. And they're like, that's awesome, but they're, they don't, they can't seem to understand that we're dealing with such a hard topic and yet find joy.
2: Exactly. And I'm like, that's the Lord. And we're, and we really can because there's hope. There's hope. You're not, that's why we're trees of hope. Right. You come in, you're wounded, you're hurting, you're grieving. We don't stay there. Right. We learn, we grow, strongholds go. A lot of the generational stuff leaves and we become different people we're not the same people when we come in than when we go on the journey exactly so i tell people if you're uncomfortable that's a good thing you want to be uncomfortable because that means you're growing and you're learning something new about yourself and you're testing it and that's a good place to be yep and we, we want, we say it all the time. We want to
0: thrive here. That's we what we thrive. want. And we should be thriving as employees here and as, you know, workers and volunteers and whatever else, because we set the example. Exactly. And so I, I love this job. But the last question I'd like to ask you is anything you would want to say to any listener that's mm. right now listening, that's a survivor, that's like, I'm not ready to do any of that healing mm-hmm. stuff. Or what would you say to them?
2: I would first tell them that I'm so sorry if that's your story. I'm so sorry that you were sexually abused as a child or a teenager or raped or, and it might've been somebody that was very close to you. I'm just, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that because I know how painful that is. So that would be the first thing. And I want you to know that you're not alone because we tend to isolate ourselves and you don't have to isolate yourself anymore because there's other sister survivors out there just like us. And we want to take you on that journey so that you don't have to stay where you are. So that's, that is the first thing that I would say. The second thing I would say is don't beat yourself up when you are on the journey that you're going to have setbacks and it's okay to have setbacks. You don't stay there. We take five steps backwards, two steps back, and that's a part of the journey. And just accept it from the get-go, especially people that have very strong personalities and want to get to A to B. That's how I was. I wanted to get, I wanted to come in and be healed and it, that's not the journey. It's not, you don't get from A to B quickly. It's you're going up and down mountains and valleys and you know, but the journey is what's so beautiful. It's not even the destination. It's the journey that creates that intimacy with other people that you probably have never had because we're soul sisters. I say it all the time. You can meet a stranger. I can meet a stranger and they could tell me they're sexually abused and I'm, we're immediately connected. So if you're out there listening, we're already connected to you. We already know that you're there and we know that you're listening and we are completely connected to you. It's not, That's why we raise up so many people because we all, we become connected. We heal together and we become soul sisters. So that's what I would say if you're out there and feel free to like reach out to Trees of Hope. There's amazing people here that are ready to walk you through this journey of healing. You don't have to stay where you are. And if you're not ready yet, it's okay. When you're ready, you'll come out and there'll be somebody here waiting for you.
1: Absolutely. Anissa, you got anything you want to add? I actually do feel super compelled to say a huge misconception that I had for a really long time was that serving equaled healing. And I thought that going to church and doing a lot of really good things would Somehow equate to me not having to go back and unpack those things that I really didn't want to. I even got on a freaking plane and was in Hungary for three months, living at a Bible college, because I just thought, hey, something good <laughs> right. has gotta happen here. Exactly. And truly, it serving is not healing, and going to church is not healing from sexual abuse. That's not to say that the Lord can't obviously still continue to do really incredible things in in your life and speak to you when you're sitting in a church pew but that does not mean that you're going back to the places that really need to be unpacked and cleaned out and sutured because that's it's a whole other world going through counseling and going through healing for sexual abuse and then serving and doing you know really good charitable things that are awesome it's just it's not the same thing and that really set me back for a long time
2: that's a huge thing to say, because I see that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, many churches support us. I go in and do a lot of trainings in churches, and we do a lot with prevention workshops. And a lot of people come up to us that have not gone through healing. I mean, there's lines of people waiting to talk about their story. And one of the things that we've adopted into the program is at the end, we we invite people to stand with us. And it's amazing when they have the courage and they just stand as survivors for the first time to stand with us at those workshops and then they want to talk about it and they want to know about it but i will say serving has its place but when you're serving with a heart that has been healed and more healing it's so beautiful
1: it's like you're fully functional yes it's like when you haven't gone through healing and you're serving it's like trying to do everything with one hand
2: exactly So I really love that you spoke into that because that's been huge. That's been the number one thing that I've been saying in churches. A lot of people have relationships with God and they think that they, um, but their soul is not healed. Their spirit is saved. Their soul is not healed. Right. So it's just something that's been coming up a lot when I go into the churches that let's get to the soul wounds and heal Mm -hmm. and live wholeheartedly. That's the mission living wholeheartedly first in our families then serving the community because we want health in our families so that we don't repeat the wounds to go down the generations if we heal in the families then go out and start serving Mm -hmm. so that i would love to close on that because that is probably my passion right now more than anything
0: I love this. That was Me so too. great. I'm Thank so cute. I loved being, being here. Being here. Oh, I got, I gleaned a my lot. Girls. I learned, um, Me and too. I'm, I'm getting better every day, but I just want to end with saying, we kind of say this every single time. If you are listening and you're like, Hey, still not ready to heal from sexual abuse. Still not ready to talk about any of abandonment issues, any other thing. You're not ready to go through a healing group. You're not ready to do any of that. That's fine. We say just keep coming back and listening to this podcast. We love you and we will see you next week. Bye, Bye, guys. Bye everybody.